Hey, this is Coco Columbia. You're listening to Sounds of PDX. This is Travis from the audio sequence. I'm Vince. I'm Boyd. This is Josh from Adverse Effects. I'm Jason Amare. This is Mike Collins from Henning Collins. Hey, this is Logan Lynn. And Gino Amare. You're listening to Sounds of PDX. Sounds of PDX. Sounds of PDX on PRP. Good evening, Portland and beyond. It is Tuesday night at Portland Radio Project. You're listening to Sounds of PDX. I'm Luke Neal, your host, and I'm here with Jen Emerson, and she has the sickest shirt in town on tonight. <laughs> Thank you so much. A, a Good blouse, sir. I should say. Oh, please don't call it a blouse. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's killer shirt then. It's fantastic. <laughs> we are joined by producer and owner-operator of The Rye Room, Matt Greco. Matt, thanks for joining us tonight, man. Yeah, thank you guys. Well, I was introduced to you via um, Ashley Extina, and then I think it was like two weeks later, we were at the same show. Yeah. Hadn't met each other. That's so funny. At Dan Cable's gig. Yeah, Dan Cable's thing, yeah. And we met and, uh, of course, had a ton in common, and I was like, I got to pick this dude's brain about production, so that's what we're doing tonight. Um, got a lot of artists on the playlist, too, that you've worked with, and more importantly, in the yeah. second hour, I'm going to play the brand new single from uh, Emily Joy. It was released, you said, about a week ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And I do have to say if the listeners haven't heard this song, it was like surreal listening to it because Jen, when I met Matt, we were talking about this project. He's like, well, you know, I've got this other project I'm working on, but it is exactly this. So he explained, and I'll have you explain the style of it later, but he totally captured this melding of genres, which is kind of like a folk bluegrass singer songwriter to pop electronic it's, I mean, I was like, oh, I'm trying to imagine this <laughs> when you hear it. It's pretty breathtaking oh, and fantastic. Well, you're listening to us on 99.1 FM or PRP.FM. If you're on the app or online listening to us, hit us up on the talk board. Say hello to myself, Jen, or Matt. Like I said, we're going to be talking about producers and our favorite things about music production all night. Um, I want to kick things off with uh, a track from a band called The Naked and Famous from New Zealand. Uh, their producer, Thomas Powers, I think just does an amazing job of, of encompassing like the rock band feel with a lot of new synth. Do you like these guys? Totally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're awesome. This new record is is practically perfect. So we're going to start things off. We've got Matt Greco, Luke Neal, and Jen Emerson until 9 p.m. here on PRP. Promise you will rescue me. That's the Naked and Famous here on Portland Radio Project. My special guest tonight is Matt Greco, owner and operator of The Rye Room. Before we dive into uh, music production and all the particulars, I do have to ask, how, why did you name your studio The Rye Room? You know, uh, I, I was thinking about names, and it's the, the studio used to be a uh, bike shop, and uh, it was called The Road Bike Shop, and I... I'm into uh, biking and stuff, and I, I was trying to kind of think of a, a name that would be cool and kind of go with the biking theme and whatever, and couldn't come up with anything good. So I was just I was just hanging out one day and, and thought to myself, you know, I like whiskey, and, and I kind of honestly came up with it just by thinking about the Rye Room, and, you know, the, the name sounded cool. And uh, that's, that's the quick sort of dumb explanation of it but once we sort of got into it uh with the name i my wife and i had talked about we kind of came up with the um the 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 kind of idea of you know we talked about how i really really like to you know spend time on on records and make sure that you know everything's really high quality and stuff and that's how we came up with the small batch handcrafted records thing and uh and everything just sort of worked out off of off of that whole kind of ride 
room theme, keeping mm. things really kind of classy and nice and boutique and that kind of stuff. So, especially with the genres you've um, been working with recently, with the exception of like Ashley and um, Emily, you know, we, um, I know that you have got an extensive catalog and folk bluegrass yeah. type stuff. So that's, totally. that fits really well. It does. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's turn the clock back. What are some of your first um, memories with music? Like, when did you fall in love with it? And, and maybe who was that artist? Oh, man. Uh, I guess, yeah, going back, I, my, my parents have always been big music lovers and my, my dad plays, uh, some guitar. And, um, when I was a kid, I, I, I started playing piano when I was four or five years old, pretty much as soon as I could, uh, you know, touch the piano and, and, and attempt to play it. My parents were like, okay, you know, we, we can start lessons with you and that kind of <laughs> stuff. So, um, you were curious enough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that, I, guess that's sort of where it started was the whole you know playing piano thing and getting into starting music that way but um as far as like early records um uh, a lot of like bonnie Raitt going on in the house and uh, a lot of james taylor and and mm -hmm. you know a lot of a lot of great just really great records now when i like think back to like all those records i'm like man those were yeah i mean good thing my parents had good taste in music so <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah that's those are kind of really early memories for me so, so piano was your first instrument yeah piano piano was and and i stuck with piano for a long time and that um that led me into i i almost quit um playing piano and kind of middle school you know i've i'm middle school age like sixth seventh grade i'm kind of like getting more into sports and whatever and and uh i had a good friend a uh, family friend of ours who's a big um uh artist in town stephanie schneiderman yeah. and she um said hey you know i know i know michael on harrison well and i would love to you know hook you up with him because i think he would really you know uh be good for you to work with and uh and i knew michael from 10 grands and just all the stuff that michael does he's amazing and um yeah, so I did an audition with him, and he didn't really have a ton of students because he didn't really have a whole lot of time to, you know, take on a lot of students. But he agreed to take me on as a student, uh, and yeah, and I think that was like sixth, seventh grade. Wow! And I worked with him kind of through high school, and that was a big one. That that honestly got me going with. Uh, uh, if if it weren't for probably him and and Stephanie, I don't I don't think I'd be doing what I'm what I'm doing today. So. Do you find yourself still falling back to the piano as like your your root instrument when oh, writing? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's piano is what I studied. Um, I I studied at the University of Oregon School of Music. I was a music major there, and and that's what I got into the school on was piano. Um, and uh, did uh, uh, a little bit of a different. I did their music tech program there, which was kind of the closest thing they had to a recording program. But uh, but obviously with the piano thing, that was a big. You know, had to still be performing and playing piano and practicing all the time and doing my classes with with that the performance stuff so sure um yeah and then you know in in college i i actually picked up the guitar and now i play the guitar a decent amount it was one of those things that i think i, I had by that point i had gotten you know i've been playing piano straight basically since i was five and at that point i was you know 2021 yeah. so i was kind of getting uh, not burnt out but just um 
You want to stand up on stage without a keytar. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and I, I – um, so I picked up the guitar my, like, junior year, sophomore, junior year of college. And uh, and that was great. It was really hard, you know, first. But, uh, but obviously because of the, you know, heavy training and music background and everything that I had, uh, it was um, – you know, even though it felt like it was taking me a long time to, to learn it, you know, I think to get actually like playing decently well so that I could just play and have fun, you know, was, you know, not that long. I mean, maybe like six months, you know. So in reality, you know, it felt like a long time. <laughs> sure. But, you know, <laughs> looking back now. Yeah, exactly. So there's some artists that do a really good balance, like they, that have the piano as their main instrument. But as they evolve, they've they've gone into more of a pop route. And there's a ton of artists that have done that. But for me, Sarah Bareilles has written so many great songs. Like I think "Love Song" was the first biggie I, I yeah. heard of hers because it was like, it was it's such a great song, such a great song, and triumphantly rebellious. Exactly. Um, but um, "Brave" was a song that you brought into yeah. us, which has actually kind of become an anthem um, for women's events over the last couple of years. Yeah, and big time. One of my favorite songs of hers. Why did you bring this one in for us? You know, I'm I'm a huge Sarah Bareilles fan in general. I've I've seen her now a few times and shows and she's one of those artists that is you know i i would definitely say you know always consistently at least all times i've seen her better on stage and she is somehow on you know i mean the records are amazing too but she's just one of those like really special artists that's just so she's so good and um and and i i do love the fact that you know she does a lot of stuff on piano. She does stuff on guitar too. Yeah. And her band's always killer. The producers that you know she works with on the Blessed Unrest, which is the record, probably honestly my favorite record that she's done. Um, she did that record in New York, and uh, and uh, Mark um, uh, Melhoney, who's did a lot of the production on that record, but Mark Endert, um, who's the guy who specifically produced Brave. Um, is an amazing producer, huge catalog of artists that he's worked with. Yeah, I made a note he's worked with Fiona Apple, yeah. Madonna, Gavin DeGraw, just to name a few. Yeah, and uh, and that that song too was a big one when I when it came out. I um, I immediately was drawn to the song and just you know my first initial reaction was like, okay, this this is a total hit. You know, great. I'm not too surprised with Sarah Bareilles, and uh, um, and one of the um, one of the I. You know, as as I usually do, I looked up the the tune and wanted to see who was producing it and you know writing and you know all that kind of stuff. And I saw that um, I'm looking at my notes here. I saw that uh, Jack Antonoff, who is a you know from Fun, Bleachers. you know, a little band called Fun, yeah. and uh, uh, and way back in the day, a band that I fell in love with called The Format. He was the lead guy of that band. Um, that to see his name on there i was kind of surprised but i know that he's been doing a lot of writing and producing with people now and um and you know for me to see that i was just like well that's it seems like totally like the dream team right there with cerebrellis and him and it's such a fun song it is and it's anthemic it's got the nice quarter piano notes through the chorus very good stuff if you haven't heard this i think maybe you've been under a rock but this is cerebrellis here on portland radio project
That one is for Carol Maxwell. That's Imogen Heap here on Portland Radio Project. And I put her on the list because she is, she does it all. Um, her album, uh, first solo one, Speak for Yourself, is totally self-produced. That one, Ellipse, is totally self-produced. Her latest, I can't recall the title of, <laughs> uh, but I don't know if you know, uh, she did this, Matt. She also released instrumental versions of every track. Oh, yeah. And then encouraged yeah. fans to remix them all yep. and send them over. So awesome. Uh, had to put her on as far as music production oh, yeah. goes. Yeah. Matt, we were um, wondering yeah. about some of the bands that you probably played in in high school, maybe as early as middle school. Tell, yeah. me, tell me a little bit about those. Yeah, so my my first band that I played in uh, was, in, was in high school. I don't, I don't think if I played No, I didn't really play in any bands in middle school. Uh, was in high school, and that was a group uh, called Stu's Shoes. Our lead guitarist name was Stu. And I kind of got into the band had been, um, you know, just kind of the like the high school. I, I went to Twelton High School here, and and uh, and at that time they were just kind of the big uh, high school band, you know. And uh, and they had been they had been together for a couple years or a few years by that point. And so I think I got into them as like a junior, hmm. yeah. Um, and uh, and they. They were all older than than I was, uh, a year older, and um, which is a big deal. It's a big time. deal, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I, I that was kind of the 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 grade older was kind of my crowd. I had I had gotten into um, I, I was you know choir guy and stuff, and and uh, well, I sort of got recruited in a choir. I'm not going <laughs> to say I willfully you know went in, but uh, they yeah I had met them because they were all you know in choir together and stuff and. And I uh, uh, had just said, like, hey, you guys, you know, I'd love to be in the band. It's awesome. And you guys are great. And uh, and and I said that, you know, I played keys and they didn't really have a keyboard player and yeah. stuff. So they're like, yeah, perfect. So we just started jamming together. And uh, and it was it was super fun. It was just that was, you know, my first big time, like being in a band. And even though we were just mostly just jamming and then playing sort of just fun little shows around town and stuff. It was still just, it was awesome. And we, um, we all went to U of O together. So we all kind of stayed together. We went through the kind of typical, like, okay, now we're in college and, and the, and the name is not so great anymore. So we <laughs> should, maybe we should change the name. So that, that got switched over to uh, a scene in stereo was, uh, was the name there. And we did a record, um, in actually both records were done with Kevin Hahn who owns Opal Studio yeah. here in town. I love Kevin. Kevin is such an awesome just guy in general, amazing producer, amazing singer, guitar player. Uh, yeah, everything. He's everything. He, he's so awesome. So, he did um, he did the Scene Stereo record and that uh, that EP was my first time, not my first time being in a studio, but my first time uh, really like heavily doing a record in a, in, in a studio and 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 at the time I was when we did that record I was a senior in high school and that was just uh, or maybe freshman college I can't remember somewhere around there but that was just um, that was so awesome for me because I was just at that point getting so into recording and still didn't know it all 
kind of what I was doing, but I just loved it so much yeah. and knew that I really wanted to, to be doing it more and, uh, and just getting to like see Kevin work and just be in the studio for like a week. And that whole thing was, uh, was really fun. And that, that band, basically we, we still kind of played together in college a little bit and stuff. And, and, uh, and, and then we, you know, the lead singer is a doctor now, our, you know, guitarist is like, you know, CPA and, you know, we're, we're all kind of doing our own things, sure. but we all, uh, the, the bassist and myself are the only two that kind of stuck with music and the bassist, he was, uh, in a touring band for, for a little bit. He's still kind of with them. They're called small pools. Um, they were, uh, on Sony and they were doing pretty well for a little while. Nice. And, uh, but now he's, he's, back home he's back here he's got a kid and stuff and um and we're all officially back in town for uh -oh. the first time and we 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 um i smell a reunion tour yeah, yeah i know <laughs> every all of our friends are like freaking out and uh we we did we were able to a couple months back uh get a get a little rehearsal kind of you know jam session scheduled nice. and of course it's you know uh, the guys love it that I have the studio because now it's just like, oh, great. Now it's a perfect place to just <laughs> hang out and jam and drink whiskey and beer and stuff. So, um, so yeah, we were able to play one day. We, we definitely want to keep playing more. Uh, they're all awesome. And I think we're all just so happy that we're back in the same yeah. city together and, yeah, you know, we can just hang and stuff. A level so. you can connect with people that isn't really satisfied by anything else, I oh, feel like. Definitely, yeah. There's something that breaks up a lot of bands. It's that sophomore pressure. And I mean break up by, like, a lot of bands that are on labels and yeah. have all that pressure, especially in the last 20 years or so. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of my favorite sophomore uh, records, you brought in a track, 20 Years from August Donna, produced by Michael Flynn and Warren Hurt. That record i mean their first record with boston and all that stuff was so really good, good. but yeah. the other there's their follow-up was just so pure like yeah why did you bring this one out i love the sonic quality on that record yeah 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 this record especially really um was a was a big one for me i i loved boston and, and that and that record um but this this sophomore record was uh not only i think sonically in a direction that i kind of in a sense, almost preferred. It was a little more produced, but in kind of a bit more of a natural way, I feel yeah. like, which is a big thing that I'm kind of always about. Um, I, I really make a point to, uh, you know, try not to overproduce stuff. And uh, and that record I just felt like was perfect. Yeah. Done. And, um, and the, one of the big reasons why I not only chose this record, but chose this song in particular was because I'm a, I'm a huge fan um, not only piano guy, but I'm a huge strings guy as well. Mm. And big lush string orchestras and, you know, and, uh, and that kind of stuff. And with beautiful arrangements, um, I'm a huge fan of, and that was a big part of, uh, at the time for me when I, you know, had the choice after college or after high school of, you know, either going to like a specific recording school or going to a school of music and more studying music. Uh, I decided to go more the music route because I wanted to study more about composing and, and you know, and, and I had all these, I, I knew I had all these ideas in my head for, you know, like I would love to be able to write a huge, awesome string arrangement someday. Sure. And I knew that a recording school wouldn't teach me that. So, yeah. um, so that was, that was a big, when I was thinking of the playlist, I wanted to definitely include a song that just had an amazing string arrangement on it. And this, you know, in a pop song and there's right. amazing, you know, the Beatles and there's all these amazing records that, you know, have, have 
have done the the pop strings thing. Um, Not much was coming out in 05, 06 when yes. they released us. That was like that. But yeah, they, totally. It, not only the string arrangement's great, but if you can, listen closely. They're just recorded so well. This is Augustana here on Sounds of PDX. Stick around. I'm Luke Neal with Jen Emerson, my co-host. We have Matt Greco until 9 p.m. is Lexi Tucker here on Sounds of PDX, an artist that my special guest Matt Greco produced and actually recorded that track a couple of years ago. Man, that's fantastic. Well done. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, as you sent me the list and I was putting songs together, I didn't know that was yours. I was kind of hoping because I, I was <laughs> like, all right, let's see. Um, but it's super clean. And, and why don't you tell our listeners what you were telling us? That was kind of your first step into uh, pop country, right? Yeah, that was that was kind of my first stab at, at like a big country thing. And uh and I wasn't really, at first I was a little nervous about it because I, I hadn't done any big like kind of pop country stuff before. So I was, uh, but I was really eager. I mean, anything that takes me out of my comfort zone, I always love doing. So um, that one, yeah, I was nervous about it, but it ended up not being so bad because a lot of the previous records I had been doing were all this, you know, kind of heavy folk influenced stuff. And, and, uh, and, it, and it seemed to just kind of really you know, be easy to, that was kind of like the next step almost was to like do the country thing. Um, and, and I love doing it and I would love to continue doing country. I don't, you know, I was referencing all these like big records, you know, Miranda Lambert and Blake Shelton and all these, uh, you know, amazing big country people. And, and, um, my whole, my whole thing with any project is, is to, you know, basically go to the top and reference that and have that be the gold standard. And if I can have my record, stand up against those, then I feel like I, I, you know, I did, I did good. And if, if I, if my record beats those then I basically like won the game, you sure. know, I don't know like, <laughs> what the game is exactly, but, um, so that's, that's kind of always the goal for me. And, uh, and I felt like it, it turned out really well. She's got a ridiculously killer voice. Yeah. And, uh, and that, that's, you know, that's always a big part of it. And she's a great writer. And uh, it was, yeah, it was a super fun project to work on. Um, one thing that's always interesting, I don't think people realize is, is once you start digging into liner notes, producers cross genres all the time. Big time, yeah. Um, and I think that's fantastic. And, and it's kind of a misconception that, that, you know, as a musician or an artist, you know, people think the guys in Slayer probably just like metal. That's probably not the case, yeah, right? Yeah, no, totally. Probably like Enya and Johnny Cash and <laughs> yeah, the whole gamut. For sure. Um, so as you're working with artists, you know, like Lexi, and then you turn around and work with someone like Ashley Xtina. Yeah. Um, I bring her up because Frozen in Time is the next track on the list um, as well. It's a single that was definitely one of my favorites of 2016. Tell me everything about this song. How did it come to be? <laughs> she's a great writer too. She's, Ashley's fantastic. She's awesome. Yeah. So this this was kind of uh, I had gotten to uh, know her. It was I guess she had kind of reached out to me a little bit. I think I officially met her at an open mic um, 
that was running and solid. It's not happening uh, anymore at a little wine bar called Corkscrew. Mm. Love that place. Yeah, Corkscrew is awesome. And uh, the open mic was run by Jen Deal, Chris Spicer of Santiam. Yeah. We all love Santiam. Uh, and I, I, I love them so much. They're Jen's great. They are the best. Yeah. Um, and we, yeah, she actually had, I think she had maybe talked to Jen and a couple, maybe at one point I wasn't there, but she basically from Jen and from Emily to Emily had been to a couple of those. Emily Joy had been to a couple Mm -hmm. of those, uh, open mics and they both were like, you have to work with this Matt guy. Basically (laughs) like this is, he's, he's perfect. So, uh, which was so nice of them to say that. And so she kind of reached out to me. I met her at, at one of the open mics. I showed up and she was there and, and, um, and we just kind of talked a little bit and then it, that's kind of just where it started. And then she came into the studio and brought a couple tunes to me and, and I'm with the pop stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty picky. I, I tend <laughs> to have, uh, and I'm sure it's probably super annoying to the artists you know, but I, I, I tend to, when people give me songs, I, you know, I, I'm, I tend to be pretty critical and I tend to just kind of be like, you know, this, it's cool, but it's not cool enough. And mm-hmm. you either need to rewrite it, you know, rewrite this, this, and it could just be like a verse or, or just the hook or something, you know, but, um, but with her stuff, I definitely heard, you know, a lot of potential there and everything. And, and, uh, so she had given me a couple tunes and, and, uh, we ended up with this tune, um, I had kind of demoed out a bunch of different versions of it, and uh, we ended up landing on on this one. And one of the actual demos that we did that was going to be this song, I had kind of given her a lot of different feels, mm. uh, production wise. Like you know, we could go this direction or this direction, whatever. And uh, one of the versions actually um, she loved, but it wasn't quite. It just wasn't quite the right vibe for this track you know lyrically and just kind of a lot of the stuff that was going on with it so uh but she loved the production so we kept it she rewrote an entirely new song to that uh other production and uh, that's gonna actually be the second single oh, we're cool. working on it right now we cut vocals just a little while back and uh and it's it's I, i'm really excited about it it's, it's, good, it's gonna be cool so um yeah it was it was fun we um yeah, I, I just spent, you know, did my thing, you know, producing in the studio. And I, I actually had help on this with a, a good buddy of mine, Randy Rolfson, who's a jazz drummer in town. And he's he's a big kind of pop guy, too. And he helped co-produce on this with me a little bit. Hmm. And uh, and he's he's awesome. And and we yeah did the track and cut vocals. And there you go. Dude, I really love this song. Uh, quick before we play it, I want to give a shout out to PDX Spotlight, who provides our playlist every week. Right now, you can see Glasses and The Secret Sea, but coming up, we've got Wim Grace, Pretty Gritty, Umbrascatu, and recently announced, we've got Adverse Effects coming up. So thanks to them, uh, we are featuring Ashley Xtina, Frozen in Time, on the PDX Spotlight playlist here on Sounds of PDX. For an answer Spent all these years on The same chapter I think I'm lost in A little faded I'm feeling Incarcerated All I know Is I'm not waiting It's been a lot of Things changing What we need now Is to end this 
You're listening to Portland Radio Project on 99.1 FM KSFL LP Portland. Uh, that's John Mayer from the Continuum Record. Um, first of all, I just got to say, my special guest is Matt Greco, producer and owner-operator of The Rye Room here in town. My co-host is Jen Emerson. And for those of you who don't know this side of John Mayer, He's got a killer blues band called the John Mayer Trio, and that song off of Continuum, actually most of the record is produced by their drummer, Steve Jordan, who's like just this monster, right, Matt? He's, like, he's insane. Steve Jordan, it's just, yeah. And that songwriting, <laughs> John Mayer's a great songwriter. Love him or hate him, he can construct some tunes. And he really can. Continuum, for me, is like the perfect blending of his like college pop yeah. with like John Mayer Trio yeah. spectrum. Yeah, yeah, and just and that record, too, I just... Like came back to that one. I, I keep coming back to that one because not only are the songs great, but I thought it was recorded like just so well. Yeah. And production is like perfect. Nothing's ever like you know too much or too little. It's just kind of like just the right amount. And and uh, and of course, like that's like Steve Jordan in a nutshell. You know, sure. like his playing. And um, sounds and, like a Clapton record. Yeah, it does. No, it definitely does. And that and that one. Um, that one was actually too. At the time when that one came out, I was I was really getting you know so much more into uh, just doing records and and recording and producing and and uh, and I was starting to get to really know a lot of the big uh, you know producers and mixers and that kind of stuff and and as soon as I looked at the liner notes on that one and saw that uh, uh, that Manny uh, Manny American um, who's a really big mixer and has done tons of amazing records and uh and michael brower who's again a, a huge mix engineer both those guys mix that one and that one uh of course for me i mean the whole record was just like well yeah i mean it's we got like basically the dream team yeah, doing, <laughs> doing this record <laughs> so there's a you know there's a reason why it sounds like good so and that era of his songwriting was so good like say what you need to say is another song yeah. that came out of that era it's really really good yeah yeah so what do you think that evolution looks like from going from musician to producer oh man i think i think that sort of comes out of um I don't know. I think that sort of comes out of, I mean, for me, it was the, the studio thing was a little bit of, um, you know, not only something that I really sort of fell in love with just the idea of, um, but also because I naturally in high school when I, uh, was starting to get into recording and, and I had, um, a couple good buddies of mine, um, Christian Burkhart, who's, uh, bigger recording artist as well he was signed for a little while he's not signed anymore for, for kind of multiple reasons but um he's amazing and uh and this other buddy of mine shane holt uh i those were kind of the first like records i ever sort of you know, like recorded and produced and stuff and totally had no idea what i was doing but um a lot of those when i would hear those guys play i had all these like you know, things in my head that I was hearing with, you know, like, oh, it'd be cool to have this piano part and it'd be cool to have this like cello thing and, you know, all this stuff. And, and, and at the time I didn't really under, totally understand what a producer was, but, um, I just, I knew that I had all these ideas in my head for, you know, to take this, this vocal acoustic guitar thing of the song and, uh, and add all this stuff to it. And then, uh, and then after, you know, doing some of that and kind of quickly realizing like, oh, I guess that's what a producer does. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of started to realize like, oh, maybe I should like, you know, kind of 
continue doing this, you know, producer thing because I really like it, and yeah. uh, and that's and that's a big part of, um, you know, I love engineering and I, and I love mixing and you know I love all aspects of the process, um, but producing is definitely one of those that I can't, I definitely can't ever get away from because I can't, uh, I can't just sit down and listen to a, a stripped down song and not hear, you know. A million other things going on in my head so I, so I've got to ask you about that when you're working on a project like Lexi's and you hadn't had a lot of familiarity of, with pop country yeah and you're diving in there's a challenge of listening to a certain type of genre or tunes without duplicating it you know so how do you process that because you've gone from the musician side you said when you hear something stripped down you can basically hear the colors in the palette right yeah. that you want to add yeah yeah so how do you not duplicate something that <laughs> you're theoretically trying to duplicate to fit in that totally group, right? yeah that is that is uh that's a tough one and that's and i feel like that's where sort of the the artistry side of it definitely comes in um because it is it is easy to just to just copy and you know and there's the there's like the whole you know like taking inspiration from and whatever and you're just you're just copying artists you know, are the best thieves yeah exactly yeah. uh but that's um if you do it well and you know and, and you make it your own of course if you you know you kind of do something a little different um like with lexi tucker's record for instance i mean i, I hadn't been doing a lot of country but I, I knew that you know if we're gonna do country like a good country record you know we can take these these songs that were just written on acoustic guitar and have a killer vocal and yeah we can put drums behind it we can put you know bass on and guitar and you know some electric guitar and stuff and uh but if we do that it's gonna basically kind of sound like a rock record which is like a solid like a cool country vocal thing over sure. it, which is kind of, which is cool um, but, uh, but that's not really what we're going for. So if we're going for that, that pop country thing, you know, it's got to have steel on it. It's got to have fiddle. It's got to have, you know, maybe this one tune is definitely going to have some banjo on it. Arpeggiated and, you know, banjo. Yeah, yeah. And it's got to have the mandolin and the chorus <laughs> and every time, you know, and it's like, there's, there are these go-to things that, um, that you learn, uh, not only as, as an artist, but especially as a producer, uh, that are just sort of like. You know, it's it's the way that that sounds. There's fundamental tools. There that are, work. yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And uh, and and just like you know, just like a you know, a, an an orchestra needs to have a s certain set of instruments to sound, you know, to to to, to sound the way that it's going to sound. Um, it's it's the same thing with with uh, with other you know kind of genres and that kind of thing so um so that was a big part of it and then and then of course finding another big part of it for me is when i'm producing and, and i'm and i'm bringing in session players mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff having people who are actively you know involved with that genre and that scene you know there's uh there's you know a lot of great you know pedal steel players out there but there's there's some guys that you know, they don't really like, you know, they might not do the country thing. They might be like a, an amazing pedal steel player who just only plays like classical music. You know, sure. I mean, there, there are like guys out there that yeah. exist like that. Not very many, but, you know, uh, so of course, just because someone plays pedal steel doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to be the right fit for the project. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, 
it, it, the, that art of production has always just blown my mind because it's that like I'll listen to stuff and I'm like oh, I would like to have a song that has kind of that vibe um, the reason I bring up that whole concept of listening to music and then regurgitating it is uh, the next two songs on the playlist you know I just had to put these on my show uh, they're by Brendan O'Brien he produces a ton of great bands but I put two of my favorites back to back Pearl Jam and Incubus this guy's done like everything from Danzig to King's X to Stone Temple Pilots. Like, yeah. I'm sure you know Brandon O'Brien. Oh, yeah. But the reason I bring it up is he doesn't listen to music <laughs> at all. Like, he doesn't know what popular really? music is. He doesn't listen to the records he's made. He just wants no yeah. influence. He goes in, takes the songs that the bands give him, and, and there he goes. So this is his latest effort. This is a 2013 release from Pearl Jam. This is Get Away here on Sounds of PDX. Portland Radio Project 99.1 FM, PRP.FM, if you're on the web. Make it most official as possible. Again, two back-to-back tracks by uh, Brendan O'Brien. That was Pearl Jam and Incubus, a couple good picks that I brought in for us. Oh, Matt, tell us a little bit about Tyler Fortier. Yes. So Tyler uh, was a guy that I met in Eugene. Uh, I was working at a studio uh, when I was in school. I quickly found out that the uh, music technology program was... Uh, not as so much a recording program, so I, I uh, made sure that I was going to be actively recording. So I, uh, uh, there's a studio down there called Sprout City, and uh, I went in and talked with the engineer, and he was awesome and gave me like a little internship there, and I was there for like a month, and he was like, hey, you know, you you're like way more advanced than any other intern that's come in here. Like, <laughs> you need to actually just be working here. So I was like, hey, that yeah, I'd love that, of course. I mean, I'll enter as long as Bingo. you want me to, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I, I worked there for um, the all of the time I was in Eugene for my entire college career and, and a couple years after that, too, before I came up back up here. And I met Tyler. Tyler had done a record at Sprout City with Thaddeus. And I just met Tyler because Thaddeus actually had me come in one day and and uh, we were chatting, and Tyler was there finishing up the record that he had done there, and and he was looking for a um, a keyboard player to add to his uh, to his band, and he was playing a lot of big shows in Eugene, and and uh, and and was doing really well. I mean, he's still he's been still totally doing really well in Eugene, and he yeah, so he you know we we kind of connected real quick, and and played together a bit and then after that I, I kind of became like his main you know I was part of the band and was the main keyboard guy and uh, and then after that I produced a record with him called uh, Fear of the Unknown which was kind of our first big record that we did together and that record uh, is I love that record and that record has a lot of really great memories that record I did I think my senior year of college um so i mean it was really great because I, I had a lot of access to so many amazing musicians at the school of music and just the facilities and just like everything so uh it was uh and I, I was working at sprout city so it was just great to you know have all that so yeah. that record was really fun and then it just kind of continued me working with him uh on not only playing with him but uh but 
continuing to do projects together. And even to this day, we, uh, I haven't done all of his subsequent records, but I've, I've done, a, uh, I've pretty much been involved in everything that he's been doing <laughs> in some way or the other. And now, um, fast forward, he's got, he's got a kid and, and he's just kind of doing the, the, the dad, you know, Eugene thing and doing music and, 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 uh, and he's like doing real estate now and stuff. And, and, and his, um, priorities have sort of changed, you know, sure. and, 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 uh, and he's gotten to a point now where he, um, we actually co-wrote a song together and it was uh, over a bottle of whiskey. And, and we, we essentially sort of wrote this like sort of commercial pop thing and he wasn't really ever into that and uh um i mean i think he's always appreciated it but as far as his personal stuff and uh and that sort of blossomed into what we're what we've been working on lately which is this project of basically all these singles and dreams are like fires that one on that dreams no dreams are like fires actually was released uh, a couple years ago okay and that was um that was off of he did a couple singles too at that point and uh, and just released them sort of just on their own and uh, and I did that that record was partially engineered actually the majority of it was engineered in Eugene and then that was kind of at a point when I was starting to sort of transition into Portland a little bit and I actually mixed that record at Jackpot here um, in town cool and uh, yeah and it was it's it's a great record and 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 was a little bit of starting him starting to kind of get into. I mean, I I personally feel like his music's always been commercial, and you know, there's and, a commercial element to it for sure. Especially this song um, that you just mentioned, "Dreams Are Like Fire." It's got it's kind of in between genres. It totally go pop or yeah. indie or you know, there's a lot of different variants that could go. This is really fantastic. And then after that, there's another production example. We've got uh, North Dakota by Lyle Lovett. So a couple more tracks here for you. You're listening to Sounds of PDX. I'm your host, Luke Neal, with Jen Emerson, and our special guest is Matt Greco. North Dakota by Lyle Lovett. That's a recording brought in to us by my special guest, Matt Greco. He is a producer himself and the owner-operator of the Rye Room here in town. And what a simple, beautiful recording. Why did you bring that one into us? Yeah, so that that record uh, was another early one, like kind of early memory for me. Uh, my parents have been uh, big Lyle Lovett fans, and, and I've, I've gotten to see him with them uh, a couple times. And he is, to me, when I think about country, actually, um, I always kind of think a little bit about La Love It because to me, that's, that's, it's sort of, it, it's definitely country, mm-hmm. but it, it sort of crosses over in kind of a cool way. Yeah. And, but it's, it's also just kind of for me, like, like pretty good, just classic, just like solid country with mm-hmm. just like amazing players and, and, uh, and, you know, like that song in particular, he had, you know, like Ricky Lee Jones singing back up on it and stuff. And I mean, it, you, you look at like the liner notes for like some of his his big records and and it's just like insane the like players that he had on on that stuff. So um, and of course, a you know, 
production and you know the the whole thing yeah. all, all around ambiance just a ton of ambiance yeah yeah and uh but that record um in general uh joshua judges ruth uh was was a big one um for me and like my household when i was a kid and uh and it was that was a while back i mean that was uh like 92 or 93 so um i was born in 88 so i, I was not very old so it's it's still kind of crazy how it's stuck around but that song in particular my dad uh it's sort of uh it's not like the the single at all definitely you know mm, off, off that record right sort of an odd track but my dad had always been really you know thought that that song was really cool and just loved how you know beautiful it was and yeah and uh how kind of simple it was and and uh and i i spent time learning how to play that the, the the piano part to that song and uh and i actually don't even know if i could still play it now because it's been so long but um it was one of those songs i just i was like yeah it's beautiful and the piano is really cool and and i was of course i knew it because it was like you know i i think i had learned it maybe in like high school or something so for me it was like oh great here's like a really cool tune that's you know decently popular yeah. and, and that i can uh, i can like learn a cool kind of piano part for and stuff so I can see some of that influence translating over into um, this next person on the list. Honey, honey, yours to bear is the name of the track. And I know this is a band you'd also um, produced or worked with. But let's give a shout out to Mr. Cobb on oh, this one, right? Dave Cobb. Yeah. So let's talk about his influence or yeah. involvement in this. Yeah. So Dave, this this record, um, the 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 album is three. And Dave Cobb produced it. I heard I, I got the chance to see them. Uh, and actually twice they, they 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 came here recently and and did a um at the like i always call it the bing lounge but now it's like the skype lounge or whatever with over there uh, with the love you guys at kink and uh, downtown yeah downtown and they came in and they played and i had it i had heard the name but I hadn't really listened to them completely blew my mind hearing them uh in that you know little room and they were playing that night um I went to the show because I was just so impressed. And actually, at the 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 lounge, they talked about this record and how they had actually done the entire record uh, in LA, I think. And they they weren't really happy, and they kind of they kind of had to choose, you know, like do we just release this record or or do we kind of redo it? And uh, and they decided to redo it. And luckily, they they got kind of a hookup through their label or somebody with Dave Cobb. And I think that was kind of their, like, dream person to do the record. Yeah. I mean, it's like dream person to do any record. And uh, and he did it. And it basically, I've I've been a huge Jason Isbell fan. So, uh, and Dave Cobb did Jason Isbell's last couple of records. Okay. Uh, Jason Isbell almost, I mean, he... he if the if my list could have been a little longer, I definitely would have put a Jason Isbell record on there. But basically, anything Dave Cobb. Uh, but this this record in particular, you know, for me, anytime I, I use a song, uh, like a direct like this this production, this song, everything about this uh, as a reference for other records that I'm working on, it's that's a to me a pretty powerful thing, kind of production wise. So yeah, um, and. Yeah, so that th this record in particular, that was 
that was kind of a big one for me just as and it's it's a new record it's it's only you know i don't know maybe about a year old or something mm. like that but um you know yeah anything dave i mean you know obviously chris stapleton and you know everything that dave cobb basically has touched in the past you know especially the past just couple of years is, yeah you know he's 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 doing okay he's got a few grammys sitting at home right now so yeah he's doing just fine yeah are, have, are you familiar with this artist at all no no i've not heard of honey honey pretty cool i think you'll dig this because there's a little bit of a jazz vibe in the vocals as well awesome. uh, we're, we're listening to influences from matt greco he's our special guest tonight i'm luke neal with jen emerson here on sounds of pdx That's Taylor Swift here on Portland Radio Project, an influence brought in by Matt Greco. He's my special guest. We're talking about all things music production and music producers tonight on the show. So thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah, thank you. So Matt, um, that was Taylor Swift, yeah. and you were saying she is a killer, killer songwriter. Um, so I was kind of curious about your experience dealing with artists with the during the songwriting process, yeah. and then kind of contrast it to um, while you're actually recording how that kind of uh, interplay works out. Yeah. So yeah, I mean my my role a lot of times you know the artist comes in uh, the majority of time I'd say with with uh, with written songs, but not all the time. And uh, so the majority of the time, yeah, I am just uh, at that point then taking this 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 completed song and then you know we're talking about production and then once we kind of get a, a uh, an area of like you know that we kind of like the vibe that we're gonna be going with and stuff then we uh, end up you know moving into tracking and that kind of stuff uh, and it's really preferably at that point uh, once we're recording it's for me it's it's more of like an execution thing just like execute it well and you know work on the you know get get it feeling right and that kind of stuff but uh the the kind of pre-production uh aspect is making sure that the song is going to go in a direction that that we're happy with and stuff but if it ends up um if there is writing that's going to be happening in the studio or or sometimes that's part of the pre-production process too uh i'm always happy to um help out with writing and it's i i do write as well uh i did a whole record in college that i still haven't released to this day <laughs> <laughs> come on for my own reasons i don't know uh but it's uh you know i i i've i've always written and i still do write to this day and i would probably write more if i if I had time to, but I'm so busy working on, you know, other people's records that that's, that's actually the main reason why I never finished my own <laughs> record was because at that point I was just so busy working on other people's records and caring more about other people's records too. I think at, at that point I just, you know, but, um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm always happy to help with writing and, and, uh, and I love that part of the process. I don't fancy myself an amazing writer. There's some people, uh, that I've worked with like Tyler Fortier and, and uh, um, that are just like super prolific songwriters and they can just write songs all day long. And, you know, and even when they, sometimes they'll be like, okay, I'm not going to write any more songs. I'm just, I'm done with music. Um, 
you know, guaranteed they end up calling me, you know, six months later with like 10 songs that they need to like get recorded, you know? So, yeah. uh, the, those people, I think those prolific songwriters are people that are, they're always just going to write, you know? And, uh, uh, and, and I, and I think it's, you know, it's important too. So, um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Cause it's always a fun balance. I'm always curious of like, you know, cause both a producer and the artist have to have a limitation on their ego. Yeah. for stuff to be working together. Because there's so many great producers who could take these young artists and mold them into something that isn't them, but polished. Totally. And then there's some artists who could come in and just stomp you in the chest as a producer. And yeah. it's not a production at that yeah. point. You're just the engineer. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. We were talking about doing this after this uh, St. Lucia track, but let's do the 10 questions now because you just talked about your collaboration with artists and you've worked with a lot of artists. Sure. And you've probably talked about their stories a lot. So let's get some uh, looks into your brain here. Sure. These are 10 random questions. You can answer them however you like. Uh, like I said, kind of off the cuff. Track again is brought to us by Tycho. This is Daydream by Tycho. All right, Matt. Football or soccer? Football. Football. TV or movies? Uh, a TV. What are you liking on TV right now? Ooh, uh, we just got finished watching the OA Fantastic. on Netflix. Nice. OMG. Yes. We've Sorry. all seen it, yeah. yeah. Jen told me to watch it. Yeah, so good. Yeah, I got snowed in and was ill. It was perfect yeah, timing. Yeah, we literally <laughs> watched the entire, I'm not proud to say this at all, but we literally watched the entire season in one day. Oh, wow. <laughs> it, was, it was a snow day, so it was fine. Yeah, yeah. achievement unlocked. It's totally okay. Well yeah, done. Exactly. <laughs> Would you rather win a Grammy or an Oscar? A uh, Grammy. Okay. Uh, would you? Are you more into like a planned vacation or spontaneous road trip? I I would like to say planned vacation, but I think spontaneous road trip is more kind of my th like I, I I could see myself doing it. That's doing where your that. heart's at. Yeah, it's where my heart's at. Okay, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Uh, road. Yeah. <laughs> Star Trek or Star Wars? Oh, Star Wars. That's all right. The way. Last Jedi was just announced. Yep. Yep. Um, if you had unlimited cash, would you go out right now and get a new guitar or a new amplifier? Uh, new guitar. If you could time travel, would you go to the past or the future? Ooh. Uh, probably the past. Okay. Um, if you had a chance to team up with Batman or Superman, who would it be? Oh, Batman for sure. Why? Uh, I've just, I don't know. I've always been a big Batman fan. Superman's yeah. cool, you know, but yeah. Batman's cooler. He's got the gadgets. He's got the gadgets. Plus, and the sweet Batmobile. I mean, you can't, like, come on. The it, Batmobile's That's so... my point. You can get <laughs> shotgun in the Batmobile, but if you're going to hang out with Superman, you got to hang on to him like Lois Lane, yeah. and that may be your thing, but me, it's going to look know. awkward. I'm a big dude. I'm yeah. not going to go flying around it with Superman. It just seems dangerous. That's a good pick. Yeah. Uh, would you rather have a conversation with John Lennon or David Bowie? Uh, that's a tough one. I'd probably go with Bowie. Why is that? Um... Just because I feel like the conversation would be a little bit more interesting. Okay. Um, and the last one here. If you had the chance to produce um, the next Rihanna or Lady Gaga record, which would it be? Uh, Gaga. Why is that? I think she's grown a lot as a as an artist, especially yeah. the last record with Tame Impala. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I've been really actually digging that last record a lot. And yeah. uh, I, I, she's another one, too, where I think she, yeah, she's just really doing... She's always doing cool stuff. And, you know, whether you love her or hate her, I, I just think that everything she's doing is is just very cutting edge and... Fresh and punchy. Yeah, yeah. totally. I'm, I'm a big fan of the the latest record that she did. Like I said, Tame Impala helped co-produce that, and yeah. it's, it's really fantastic. Another band that had a really punchy 
killer record from last year is uh, one that Matt and I both love. This is Dancing on Glass by St. Lucia. And, and why did this catch your ear? So I've, I'm, I'm sort of a newer St. Lucia fan, and I'm uh, a big sucker for pop, obviously, with the Taylor Swift song. And um, St. Lucia, when I had, I went to one of the shows and was completely just had my mind blown they are so amazing live and uh and and not only am i a big fan of pop but synth pop i'm a, obviously being a keyboard guy i'm a huge fan of synths and anytime you just have huge big synths in a band with like killer vocals and awesome just pop melodies super catchy little hooks i'm sold and and if it's and then if it's like really fun dance music too on top of that then it's just like it's just the the best thing so yeah this is one of the best pop singles i think from uh, 2016 um this and uh, do you remember is another track yeah, off of this record so that's good amazing yeah. uh but if you're not a fan of saint lucia and you haven't heard them you soon will be reminds me a little bit of like the 80s throwback uh glass tiger band uh, but check yeah. them out this is dancing on glass saint lucia here on sounds of pdx Give the wrong shout out online. Carol, I understand you would dig that one. Not my wife, Sarah, but that's St. Lucia here on Sounds of PDX. We've been listening to the influences, at least production influences, of Matt Greco. Jen Emerson is my co host, and we've been uh, lucky enough to be able to pick your brain and listen to some cool tunes tonight, man. Oh, thank you guys. I, I feel really lucky to be here. We Hang also have uh, Emily Joy's track at the end of the show, so stick around for that. We've got a couple more questions for you, um, and one other song from Something Corporate. And there's many layers of great influence um, yes, on that pick. So many. Um, but I do want to talk to you about like some of your um, overarching thoughts on leaving an artist once they have got the the product from you, and they go off on to then promote the record because making and promoting are two totally different things. Yeah. What's your involvement as a producer? Are you there as like a, a brother figure, <laughs> go support them, or do you help them market and book shows? What's your involvement with that? So my involvement, actually, I, I'm really glad you asked that because uh, my involvement is changing is the, is the easiest answer there. Yeah. My involvement before has always been I'm a producer, so I, I, make, your, I make the record sound amazing if i'm not happy with it then we got to keep working on it and uh and of course i you know want the artist to be happy with it but um and and then and then i just at that point when the record gets released i just cross my fingers and i and i hope that the record is gonna do well and and uh and and i kind of stay out of it you know and and I, I i try to do you know what i can to to encourage and, and if they have questions and that kind of stuff, you know, that I, I help them in that regard. But as far yeah. as like doing big promotion and, you know, and, and like helping them book shows and that kind of stuff, I, I kind of, I kind of 
try to stay out of that because it, it, it's a lot of work you know yeah, it's a relationship and yeah it is and then and then you sort of end up taking like some sort of like management role and then it's just like oh no it's like that's too far crossing so, the lines man. yeah i really i really try not to do that um but the but what i've kind of the new thing is and this is brand new and i'm i'm in talks with um a music lawyer in town and I'm, and I'm starting to kind of get all these pieces fit together and 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 a big part of it actually was emily's record and, and some of these other and just this new project that i'm doing with tyler where um everyone is starting to realize you know that you know i guess not starting to realize but record sales are definitely nowhere near what they used to be and i'm and i'm very vocal about telling artists and bands like you know heads up unf- I, I i don't want to be the one to say it but like your record's not gonna sell <laughs> it, it, it might but like it's just the reality of the situation because i've done so many records amazing records that have just gone out and done absolutely nothing yeah you know and it, there's a lot it's complicated for sure um but what I've kind of started to realize is, and, and like I said, with Emily's record and with Tyler's project and these couple things that I've worked on lately that I basically got to a point where I was like, I can't, I don't think I can release one more record that I feel so strongly about and have it not do anything. Like mm-hmm. I, it, there's going to become a point where I'm going to, it's, I keep trying to just be like, it's okay, let's move on, you know. Keep, it's art. Yeah, it's art, whatever. <laughs> But there, I think there is going to become a point where, I, and I think I'm kind of hitting that point where, um, it's it's it just affects me too much, and uh, and what I've kind of just started to realize is there isn't really anyone who is the kind of inner, you know, like the in between person for labels and for and and for helping artists get their music with these licensing companies, and mm. if they have those ends already, then it's not really it's no void at that point, but. Uh, but a lot of the smaller independent people who just don't know the music business side of it um, is it, it's an important thing. And it's something that I haven't really totally thought about until now and kind of realized that I I really have the power to um, to help, you know, a, a song. Like, let's just say I do a single with someone. I have the power to help get the single to do something. Yeah. I totally do. And I don't know why it's taken me until now to realize that, that like I, I, I actually can do something. Um, and I don't have, and it doesn't mean that I have to like take like a manager role or anything like that. Sure. Um, and it's basically getting, and that's getting into the publishing th- side more at that point. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of the direction I'm, I'm going in. And my, my head's kind of at is, is, um, is working with artists and, and, sort of getting contracts together and that kind of stuff so that if it's some someone that I really believe in and a project that I really believe in, uh, then let's talk about, you know, I've got some good connections and, and, uh, and, and I'm continuing to make good connections and, and let's talk about like, you know, getting your stuff licensed and that kind of stuff. So, uh, I think it's really important. And I think a lot of artists, they aren't necessarily thinking about that. There's still a lot of artists are just thinking like, I hope, I'm just going to release this record and I hope it does well. And I'm just going to play as many shows as I can and like build my little fan base and, and we'll just see. And that's totally, unfortunately the old model and that sort of works. But if you want to actually 
be running a business and like be making money, um, then licensing and going that route is more, I, at least I think the way, the way to do it. Yeah. I think so. so too in this day and age. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And thanks. Yeah. I'm glad you're doing that too. You, you, you're, uh, bridging the gap that's really important between artists and the business. Yeah, yeah, and and I don't really know how. There's still a lot of pieces to the puzzle that I have to kind of figure out. And even when I was talking with uh, my lawyer about it, he's he one thing that he said was that like you know there isn't really like like I think you should definitely do it because there isn't really anyone doing that in town. Like if if especially someone like you who's the producer and then is so in heavily involved with the with the record but then typically it's just like you the the producer just lets just like oh, record's done and then like good luck guys and that's how it's kind of how it's always been sure. and unless they're on a label then have it's, a post a and r guy yeah, yeah totally so um yeah there's you know the industry's changing a lot and and you can totally just keep doing what you're doing um, and just kind of see what happens. Uh, but I really feel like it's important to uh, just be trying to come up with creative ideas to keep things moving forward. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got a lot of good buddies who are like big into the YouTube thing and, uh, and, are, and, are making, and are making good money you know, off of that. And there's, there's a lot of other revenue. Like Patreon type. Yeah. The Patreon stuff. stuff. And there's a lot of other revenue, uh, just areas right now that a lot of artists just aren't thinking about or, or are aware of. Cause they're using the old model. Yeah, totally. Right? So yeah, that makes sense. Well, unfortunately we are near the end of our show and we want to pick your brain about, um, overcoming by Emily joy before yeah. we let you go. Yeah. So, Please tell us more about this track that uh, Luke has um, impressed upon me that I will <laughs> love it. Yeah, I've been yeah. raving about it. Yeah, so this uh, this this EP I'm I'm excited about. Emily is great. She's an artist that came to me a um, couple years back. I guess a, I don't know, maybe about a year ago, um, and she uh, actually I went to high school with her. Huh. And I didn't really know her that much in high school. She was in choir, and I was at a wedding of a friend's, and she was singing at the wedding. I told my wife, who is that singing, because she's amazing. And we ended up getting sat at the same table together, you know, and oh, I wild. just told her that, you know, she was amazing and that, like, I'm, you know, I do, yeah, I have a studio and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it sort of turned into this uh, thing of, like okay, like let's try to work together. And she had sent me a couple demos, and I just totally was so impressed. And uh, and we did a Kickstarter, got the money to do the. That was the biggest thing. She told me there was two big things that prevented her from recording, and one being the financial side of it, um, and two being that she just didn't. She knew that she wanted to make a good record, and to do that, it. It, it's going to cost money. Sure. So she just didn't want to, which I think is great. She didn't want to put out something that that wasn't amazing. Yeah. Uh, which I think more people really need to think about because there are tons of bands and artists out there that are just like, I want to just record my material and get it out there. And even if that means that I'm just going to do it at home, then fine. I just need to get it out there. And that's that's okay. There's a time and a place for it, yeah, but sure. it depends on what you want. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, so she was really adamant about that. 
that lined up exactly with with my kind of points of view of of recording and producing and just in general putting you know material out there that's going to have your name on it i've always from the beginning stuck with that that if if my name is going to be on this record it has to be of a certain you know standard yeah and uh and it's and it's a high standard for me so uh so yeah this this record we 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 got um she's a solo artist so i i i brought in all of my top guys for for the project and on this song in particular like we had tony Furtado playing banjo on it and uh, and my buddy joe uh from small pools play bass and he, he does bass on a lot of my productions and uh, uh who else played on this song uh merlin showalter who's a killer drummer in eugene he played drums and uh uh, uh Paul Brainerd on Steel. Oh yeah, the cast was great. Which of course I always tell people like, yeah, I think I'm a like pretty good producer. I always make a point to get amazing musicians to play in my records to make me sound like a better producer. You're <laughs> <laughs> smart. You're a delegator. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so this, yeah, this this record and and this song in particular was one where we had. Um, I had demoed it out a few different times and I still wasn't sure about the direction to go. And pre-production the day before we're tracking, this was the one song too that we go through all the other songs. We're like feeling pretty good about everything. And this one, I was, we were still just like, I don't really know what to do. And I made the executive call of like, well, let's, let's just go into the studio. And when we get to this song, we'll just, we'll just try stuff. And, and that was a, a pretty at the time I knew that was a pretty terrible decision because ninety percent of the time when you go in and you do that, uh, you end up sort of just wasting time and and or not necessarily, but you you don't always come out with something great that that's is that good exactly yeah. and and this one was one of those ones where we we had we had started working on it and I basically just had the guys jam to it and uh, to the basic just like it was just like a guitar or vocal. And, uh, and, and my drummer and bass player had come up with the kind of looped the, and everything on this, by the way, is, um, hundred percent. It's the, the loop drum kit is a live kit recorded. Hmm. Uh, and the bass is alive, everything. A lot of the stuff can kind of sound like it may have been programmed, but it isn't, um, and that was kind of the basis of the song. And I ended up in the studio producing it kind of like a pop sort of hip hop track where I essentially just looped uh, that, uh, the drum loop and the bass part kind of through. And then we had some other parts that we had recorded and I kind of like copied and, and it was total just like, it's not at all how I was thinking of you know producing the song but it turned into this really interesting thing and I've then, never heard anything like it yeah really truly I mean the night we met it's exactly that you said it I'm blending like this pop electronic with uh, country folk and it is perfectly that and it works well like I could imagine yeah. it in my brain but not great you totally. know what I mean like you're and just trying to figure out how's that gonna work yeah dude you knocked it out of the park I was I was a bit nervous about it because I I kind of had this idea in my head but I didn't really know how it was gonna go and I like put the banjo in for the chorus and and uh, and Tony's obviously amazing and uh, and I, I kind of had this idea for it but I just I didn't really know until it 
got to like finishing all of the tracking and just putting in all the elements and then sitting back and listening to it. But that that night of getting the the kind of basics down, mm-hmm. uh, which was like the acoustic guitar and the banjo and the drums and the bass and some elements in there. Once we got those elements, uh, that that basis was really like we were so excited about that that I knew <laughs> we had something good. You yeah. know, it, it even if it like started to go in a little bit of a weird direction, I knew at least that was solid. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, dude, it's it's phenomenal. I want to give you a chance to give some shout outs before we send you off in the night and play the new single by Emily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I just want to thank you guys so much for course, having yeah. me. It was our pleasure. Yeah, and uh, uh, and I'll shout out to uh, all these amazing artists that I had on on the playlist and uh, and my wife, of course, and uh, my my awesome parents and all, and the artists that I'm working with currently and just everyone that continues to inspire me. As always, Jen, it's great to hang out with you. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Luke. Tons of fun. Great playlist tonight. Thanks again to PDX Spotlight and Vortex Music Magazine. Thanks for listening to Sounds of PDX. I will be back with another Thursday episode. We've got a rebooked show with Fox and Bones. Until then, you are going to be listening to Overcoming by Emily Joy. Enjoy the evening. Take care. It's fun.